0: Malcolm Homeline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to
1: JM in the AM. Yeah, it's good to be with you on this Erev Shabbos HaGadol.
0: Oh yes, Erev Shabbos HaGadol is right. And Rabbi Yudin will have plenty to say coming up on that topic. And uh, we have plenty to do uh, in terms of the news of the day. We've been discussing all morning and alluding to uh, what has happened uh, overnight. And uh, we know about the airstrike that President Trump called for, that the United States military has executed at this point. Uh, Was this the proper response by the United States to the events in Syria this week?
1: I do think it was an appropriate response. I think it was a necessary response that the president could not have allowed this act to go unanswered. And it's not the first time that they've used it. The difference, I think, this time is that uh, both the scale... And the fact that the it was near the Turkish border and the Turks allowed the media to go in and cover it and show the results of this, of this horrific uh, chemical weapon and how the kind of agonizing deaths and, and injuries that it causes, I think that the uh, message to the region, the message to the Iranians, the message to the Syrians, and even to the Russians is a very important one. Uh, i I hope that they have a broader plan in mind. I hope that they've thought about the next steps and and the consequences um but doing it with the missiles so that there were no American planes involved, having given the ruddish Russians advance notice um I think overall it was an important uh decision and uh time to come to terms with what you want to see emerge out of uh the situation in Syria just to allow the Iranians and Russians to keep the their puppet in place and things remain as, as the Iranians consolidate their hold something you know that we've talked about here yeah. consistently.
0: Uh, sorry, you alluded to a couple of things. First of all, so so because of the media attention this time it became much more well known around the world both the news of the attack and the the aftermath of the results so to speak the the horrific results of the attack. So so you're you're telling us that this this happens more often than we think or 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 has happened too many times where it's been ignored or ignored to you know to a degree,
1: right? I think the latter. But it, it's not just that the reports that were reports earlier. People have have given anecdotal evidence, but here the video, this video, and when people see it, and there's horrendous sights that, uh, frankly, I couldn't even watch. Um, that really is, it makes a big
0: difference. When did he decide to do this? Do you think it was only minutes after this attack that the president said we must uh, jump into action and, uh, and, 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 uh, and do something?
1: Well, I don't know that he could have decided that it should be tomahawks from uh, boats off our coast, ships off the, the coast of uh, Syria. But uh, I think that there are, are always contingency plans in place. But the security cab cabinet met and I guess made the recommendation to the president, and he authorized
0: it. No question that Russia knew about it in advance, that they were informed? Right, yes. Um, <laughs> and um, I would guess there are a handful of other countries that were
1: informed in advance. It may well be that they were given notice before it took place, but in the case of Russians, the goal was to avoid... Hitting any Russian um, pilots or personnel and as well as uh, Russian planes there aren't that many there and this is a Syrian military base. it's not inside right. the city it's a military base uh, but it's the one from which the, the planes were launched that carried the uh, chemical weapons and that's but, why it was targeted
0: but with the uh, but with the uh, with whatever level of Russian you know presence or involvement there is there, is, is there a case to lay some blame at Russian authorities that it's likely that they knew about this attack or knew that it was about to happen? I mean, to what degree should we assume that, uh, I don't know, Vladimir Putin or anybody else you know, along the line knew that this was going to occur?
1: I don't think that they authorized the use of chemical weapons. I don't even know if Assad authorized it. Uh, it would certainly raise questions about the judgment uh, of who... Gave the okay for this to be used. They can't acknowledge it, so they can't prosecute. They can quietly uh, deal with it. The Syrian army within Syria, uh, but uh, you know, this is an intimidation weapon. This is this is a weapon that. I think Assad, after having been told just the day before, that uh, and and, and statements coming from Washington, statements coming from other places, that you know we're leaving in place, we don't want to do regime change. I think Nikki Haley, others were involved making statements uh, uh, about it. Uh, So maybe he felt that he had a license that he was secure that that whatever reaction wouldn't be severe and. That this he, he knows the power of this weapon. The Russians are very reluctant because they suffered a lot from chemical weapons. I I think pub, in public opinion would not sit well in Russia if they thought that the Russian government had, had authorized the the use of this weapon. I don't think anywhere would it sit well uh, where they had been involved. The Iranians are known to use pretty extreme measures. Certainly Hezbollah and some of the other terrorist organizations. But this had to be um, involving the Syrian air force which means tra- traces back to the Syrian government right. and the level, how high it goes up, I don't know if we'll ever know.
0: And, the, and that area was targeted because that area is held by rebels and essentially enemy of the current government, right? Right. All right. Um, uh, you mentioned a Russian particular sensitivity to chemical weapons and the reason for it, uh, interesting. Uh, there's certainly a Jewish uh, sensitivity toward gas and chemical weapons, to say the least, and I would say that this attack uh, affected our community uh, it, 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 tremendously in terms of the uh, the aftermath and p- and watching people in our community watch what was going on there. Curious then what the reaction was from Israel. Anything more than the usual condemnation?
1: Well, the prime minister supported uh, the president's action, along with I think Canada and England. I'm not sure too many others have come out. Only uh, I know Russia and Iran have come out in condemnation. And if you want to choose a side to be on, I think it's pretty clear. Uh, which side we should be on. Yeah, well, I was referring to
0: the- combination of the chemical attack, right?
1: Right. and, and But they, I don't think they had any advance warning, and they, the Israeli reaction was very strong across the board. The prime minister, the president, members of Knesset, and many called for action right. to be taken. You know that Israel, obviously, has been very involved, and they're very worried about the use of such weapons because mm-hmm. they can be transported on a missile uh, head or by plane to, to Israel as well.
0: And they've been threatened with them before. <laughs> and
1: he, they have threatened them with the use of it. In the right. meantime, Israel is treating the people... You know that that now they've surpassed 3,000 Syrians who have come to Israeli hospitals for treatment, who have been brought in under the circumstances I've described before, so I won't do it again, but when you go there in the middle of the night, you're standing in the cold, and you see these young soldiers going into Syria to take out uh, even adults, not just children who who were victims of of attacks or were very sick and couldn't get treatment. Some of them uh, were in Israeli hospitals for extended stays and at no cost. And this is, uh, you know, it's put a tremendous burden both on the medical facilities, but also on on the government. So Israel, I think, has demonstrated uh, that it, it it not only does it respond in word, it responds in deed.
0: Oh, no question about that. And in this in this case also, because I saw there was there, there was somewhat of, of conflicting reports whether Israel would be able to help uh, infants and others who are victims of this specific attack.
1: Yeah, well, it's a problem of transporting them from there, Uh, and, you know, many times in Syrians that I met had traveled, but they were able, especially when there was a child involved or something, so they went under the guise of relatives, they're not allowed to legally go, this has to be done surreptitiously, but you can't, I think, move these people, you need a doctor really to tell us, but I think that I've heard and read that uh, transporting them was not a prospect.
0: Um, uh, one would think the Arab states, using the word collectively for a moment, the term collectively for a moment, uh, w- would be thrilled with this U.S. action. Any reason to believe that they are not?
1: Oh, I have every reason to believe that this is exactly what they've been waiting for. Uh, I had the opportunity to meet with President Sisi in Washington uh, with a group this, this week. And uh, if you look what King Abdullah said as well, uh, this is something they've been looking for. They want America to reengage. They want to see strength and in fact many of them cited many others in the region cited the the uh, catalyst for all of this was when uh, under president obama the decision was made not to fire and we turned our guns around after the violation a clear violation of the red line he established on the use of chemical weapons right. and that that was the signal to putin to go into crimea this was you know that that america would not act with resolve and this Tells, tells them, at least they are hoping that this is a sign that America is re
0: engaging. Yeah, uh, the analysis that that's uh, the headline of the Jerusalem Post right now coincidentally says Trump's strike on Syria makes it clear the Americans are back. And that's what you're referring to, of course. Um, and Many people fear that this could escalate to turn into, I don't know, an all out whatever, battle, war, and whatever other term you want to use. But we know from history that often attacks like this prevent further action and further war. Do you think Assad could remain quiet and along with the Russians, you know, sort of let this time pass without any either retaliation or anything that would heat things up?
1: Well, we saw it when Israel hit and they came out with very boisterous statements and threats. But I think that Iran, when we fired back at their little ships that were harassing our boats and our our destroyers and uh, military Uh, uh, vessels in in the straits of Hormuz and other places and when we struck back they did nothing and this is something we tried to talk to the previous administration about over and over again is that they keep testing for weakness and where they meet restraint they will back off where they see that they meet strength and not restraint I should say then then they respond in time not by acting but by pulling back and and it you know terrorists probe for weakness all the time and exploit it and that's why i think that the you know you may see some response some sort of action it could be sanctioned something else that that russia does you might see some actions uh, on the ground but very limited and they have no american targets really to hit we have uh, very limited resources on the ground yeah
0: but there's always some form of retaliation i mean i don't want to not always yeah, I guess. But I mean, terror attacks, kidnappings, I mean, there, there, are, there are options for, you know, for, for those who want to retaliate against America to to make a statement and do so. But um, One of them, in fact, might be a U.N. resolution against the United States. That's probably not going to happen, right?
1: No, I don't think we have to worry about that. <laughs> I think, first of all, it would be vetoed by the U.S. If not, I think Britain and others would certainly uh, gang up in the same way that Russia prevented uh, a resolution of condemnation of, of Syria in the Security Council, Russia and China. So
0: for those of us who are and frustrated... And you have to think
1: about the implications for the visit of the president to China, who's here, right. and an ally who considers himself certainly an ally of Russia, but also probably of, of Assad.
0: Does that add to the timing of the whole episode? The fact that No. Not at all? Coincidental. Totally coincidental. Right. Um, uh, back to the U.N. for a second. So those of us who, who've been frustrated that there was no official U.N. resolution, the, the ones to be frustrated are at all. At are the Russians because they're the ones who vetoed it, and, and nothing would move further without their approval?
1: That's the one we should be angry at. are
0: yeah. right, <laughs> thanks a lot. <laughs> Trying not to call attention to my inabilities to speak, and you have to go ahead and do that. So, uh, and, and in terms of the type, I mean, are, are there in? I I know I sound ignorant on this, but I am. Uh, are, are there that many levels or types of chemical gases that this one is you know considered you know so lethal? compared to others, like the fact they use this one, right, sarin. right, in fact, you know, shows a, a different level of, of engagement, a different level of what they were trying to accomplish.
1: Yes, I do think that, that this crosses another red line, the fact that sarin, which is really horrific and kills and um, uh, so, yes, that, that is considered a, a, another level, that the crime is the same, to use chemical weapons—that's against international law—but this um, was, was, in fact, um, they now found the traces of the sarin gas. Right.
0: It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world and the web at NahumSiegel.com on the Nahum Siegel Network, and of course on our beloved NSN app. All right, we'll bounce around and uh, likely get back to Syria at some point. So in the meeting with uh, President Sisi, did he mention anything to you about a summer summit where the U.S. would in fact sponsor some type of Mideast peace summit over the next few months and to try to make progress in terms of a deal between the PA and Israel?
1: No, he did not. He did talk about the desire to have peace. He, he made references to it, but it was obviously not a uh, priority. He talked about all of the situations in the region and frankly answered uh, questions very fully and uh, when he wanted to uh the the um, obviously very concerned about the outcome of Syria and what conflict there what happens in Libya um, talked about Gaza talked about the Palestinians and and his hope that something can move forward but say that this was uh that the summit was major emphasis and i think that people are backing off starting to back off at least from what i see uh from that because well that, that's that pretty takes quick. A lot of preparation and it takes a lot of work to be able to do
0: that yeah but that's pretty fast didn't the president just discuss with him this week
1: yes but this is something I obviously that uh, may or I shouldn't say obviously but perhaps had been under discussion right. earlier and it may have been just an idea that, that was thought about in Washington and then brought to them, and King Abdullah was there, and as you know, the Saudis were here earlier, and there were hints at you know the possibility of a summit of the U.S. reengaging. But to do that, you have to really be prepared. You have to uh, have the ducks in place. You can't just have an exploratory meeting again, or it would end up like the Madrid meeting and others in the past that you know were... We have to know what's going to come out of it before you sit down to it.
0: Well, some might actually say the Madrid meeting was, was fruitful, but uh, whatever. I guess we could argue that. Um, uh, why uh, why is there, according to an article I saw on your website, uh, still so much animosity um, from Egyptian residents, Egyptian citizens toward Israel if we've had this peace agreement for so many decades? And it seems people like you, other Jewish leaders, certainly uh, the prime minister, are able to to meet civilly with the president of Egypt.
1: Um, Look, what did you see on our website?
0: An article about the that, despite this amazing relationship, quote unquote, between CC and Jewish leadership. Of the
1: polling about it, right? Correct. So uh, this was an issue we discussed uh, that was discussed with the president. Uh, I didn't hear the part about the polling, which is true that all the polls show that there still remains a high level of residual animosity. But he said that there is a, a major shift in, in the press and in other things, you know, that he changed the textbooks, unlike what's going on in Gaza where the textbooks are getting worse. And we have, ev- we have we and have evidence CIA. of the
0: change? There's real evidence of the change?
1: He says yes. Uh, I know what the polling says, but he said that there is a real change. He said that the the and has said to me in the past that you know the issue the Palestinian thing until it's resolved is that that is a major obstacle to moving forward uh in in there and in other Arab countries because it's a street issue they appeal to the street, and you know it's an issue of pride it's an issue of identification uh, with fellow Arabs, even though you, you know in many other cases there such identification solidarity is quite absent. Uh, but uh, you know it's true in Morocco it's true in Jordan it's true in all the arab countries where the percentage of those who express hostile uh, sentiments is in the 80 and 90 percentiles so it's it's a long term thing which which involves changing things from the ground up meaning the education process meaning the what goes on in the media and we have seen changes there but it takes a long time to it permeates society and when you have you still have Muslim brother you have a lot of extremist forces who who rant against Israel but he, he talked about the role of Al Azhar which is an intellectual center religious center in, in Cairo for all of the Muslim world uh, becoming a vehicle for pr- promoting moderation which he has tried to do uh, in in Egypt and as i said the textbooks acknowledge the peace process the peace agreement at Camp David uh which previously was not the case and you contrast that with what is happening in the PA, which refused the the entreaties uh, of of UNESCO, uh, and to impose their standards for peace and tolerance. And the the PA curricula does not do that at all. And in fact, if we've seen anything, that it moved uh, to a more, a more greater degree of radicalization uh, of young Palestinians. And this was devised by the ministry, overseen by the ministry, and. Um, and it talks about you know the maps show uh, the Arab Palestine encompassing all of Israel including all of Israel yeah
0: when and, I asked when I asked about evidence I'm, I'm curious if anybody actually saw the textbooks <laughs> like because yes, yes, right, yes right, that's absolutely
1: what I mean, right. of course
0: because often you know they'll say something and make claims and
1: no uh, no this is not claims from him this is statements that were in the Israeli press and people got actually hold of the textbooks and you know they're monitored we study these things because this is how you shape the minds of the next, oh, yeah. the, the next generation, and it's, it's horrific. And that's why the PA paying money to, to the uh, ter- terrorists is encouraging them. It's giving the Hechscher to it. It's, it's, it's um, authorizing people to kill because they know their families will receive. They will receive if they get killed, then the families get it.
0: By the uh, way, I, I saw the Knesset you know, proposal to, to make it illegal. I, I can't believe it's not officially illegal yet.
1: Well, this is to take the money out of the budget. It's not the question that it's not legal. Of course, it's illegal, but it's but it's to take the money out of the budget. It's it's a parallel measure to the Taylor Force Law, which is before the Congress of the United States now. And I hope everybody will write their congressman to support it, which says that we don't take away all the money from the PA, because Israelis and others have opposed it because it will cause a collapse and the burden fall on Israel as the power there, but the um, uh, they will take away the amount of money that the PA spends on these, you know, benefits um, and, and all sorts in, in, of pensions. In other words,
0: the money that Israel is supposed to transfer to the PA from that would right. be deducted. Oh, now I, okay. I didn't understand that. Now I got it. Um, actually, that would be great. I'm fascinated by, the, by your ability to, or your uh, cap- your um, opportunity, I should say, to, to discuss you know different things openly. With Sisi, what does he say to you about Gaza? What does he say to you about the Hamas stronghold there and the influence of Iran and others in that region?
1: I actually asked him that. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, and, um, you know, he spoke about the, the powers that are some that are, are meddling in the, in the region. It was an obvious reference, I think, to Iran and, and Turkey uh you know he's very concerned about the radicalization there and what what is going to happen there and and i asked him also I mean, how can you push a peace process in a summit who's going to represent gaza are you going to do it with half the palestinians and you know just the west bank and not with gaza and he spoke about it, and uh, you know, it was an off the record meeting, so I don't want to quote anything that he said. But the, he, you know, he takes it very seriously, and he is fighting it. He has done a great deal, he and he spoke about his efforts to close the tunnels and other things to to, uh, and they restrict entry of weapons. They, they've done a great deal to try and change the situation. Gaza. the problem is that you have the Iranians developing ways to bypass it, providing more and more advanced missiles that are smuggled in. Some of it gets caught uh, by Israel, by them, by the Egyptians, uh, but most of, much of it doesn't. You know, they drop off these pods from ships that then uh, Palestinian fishermen pick up. So the Israeli Navy patrols and catches it sometimes, but not all the time. Has
0: Hamas, in fact, as they claim, uh, softened their position on Israel in their revised
1: charter? No. it, 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 it They you know, create this fiction that they, that they have somehow moderated it. But the fact is, it still does not recognize the right of Israel or Israel's
0: existence. By the way, you know, back to Syria for a moment. And I I think this is related to an extent, the subway bombing in St. Petersburg. So is that an Al Qaeda attack? Is that, uh, is is that, you know, those anti-Assads who are trying to, uh, uh, you know, uh, bring terrorist action to Russia? What, what, what was that all about? And was it in fact linked to that whole situation?
1: We don't know. I certainly don't know. And uh... you know, we've heard all sorts of accusations. There are internal forces, uh, and you have Chechens, you have uh, uh, people from the Caucasus uh, who belong to radicalized groups, radicalized Muslim groups. Russia has a huge problem with this, and and a large part of their military officer corps now are Muslims. Uh, and I, I spoke to Putin about this in 1998 when he was head of the KGB already. Uh, uh, and and he spoke about it with great intensity and and fervor about the danger this poses to to um, to Russia, and he said by the way, to Israel also so the I, I don't know you know yet that they have tracked it down more than to this uh, individual and whatever support group he had
0: do you think there's uh, contact between Israel and russia today absolutely e- even in light of what happened yesterday
1: Yes, I think that there is ongoing contact. Necessary. It doesn't have to. be It's not necessarily as warm as some people have uh, painted to be. But uh, I can I tell you in the past where what Putin said to us about his feelings about Israel, connection, the fact that a million Russian Jews are there, that he feels it's part of Russia and his obligation to defend it. But I don't know that all his actions would actually support that that conclusion.
0: Yeah. C- could you clarify what he really said or what, whatever, whoever it was that said uh, that West Jerusalem should be the capital of Israel?
1: Uh, I don't understand the euphoric reaction to this. And the people, you know, called me and said, wow, did you see what the Russians said? And I said, we've well, got to read the whole thing. To me, there was a more remarkable thing, which I'll tell you in a minute. But it says that East Jerusalem belongs to the Palestinian state. Right which means all the holy places, everything. It doesn't have any qualification. It does say direct negotiations to, should determine the outcome, but it says that as we recognize East Jerusalem as the capital, we also have to acknowledge West Jerusalem, but nobody disputes that West Jerusalem is part of Israel. They don't put the embassies there they don't, uh, because they lump it all together, but th- there is no challenge to that. So this is not a helpful declaration. What is interesting to me is there's no reference to settlements.
0: Mm, good point.
1: And and nobody's picked up on that. But if you read that whole statement, it's not that long, and it's uh, put out by the foreign ministry, and it says regarding Palestinian Israeli settlement, um, and they said that there have been unilateral moves that undermine the potential for accepted international solution. That they do put all of this back to the Security Council and uh, their role as member of the Quartet, etc., um, and that they will continue to help achieve this because they don't want to see the United States being the prime uh, sponsor. Now that the United States is back in the game, right? Uh, this is a response to that.
0: And I had asked you this a couple of weeks ago because the uh, you know the, the way things look, uh, some of the parties in the quartet are going to go out of their way to try to stay involved, uh, especially Especially watching how President Trump deals with different things, and you know, likely would want the United States to broker whatever it is that he has in mind. Oh, I- we will have to
1: see whether the, if people want to be engaged like the Europeans, then they should stop giving all this money to to the illegal construction on in the West Bank, not in settlements but the Arab illegal construction, which is dwarfs I think the construction in Jewish areas. Um, I think that they have to stop supporting the the NGOs that work against the government of Israel. I think that they have a, a lot that they should do to prove that they are worthy of being part of of a process. And the failure to in England to really go after the head of the the former head of the Labour Party and you know, these mild slap on the wrist is, is really uh, indicative of these guys who are, are really viciously anti Israel.
0: Well, I don't know if that's and
1: maybe anti Semitic.
0: Yeah, possibly. Um, who who from Israel proves to them? I mean, is someone fighting the case? Is someone is someone sending folders full of, uh, of documents that prove the illegal building that you're referring to?
1: Sure. No, it's well-known. It was the government of Israel that said it. No, they issued a formal statement this week about it. Um, By the way, the PA cut the salaries of 50,000 employees in Gaza this week. These are people who haven't worked since 2007 when Hamas took over. So they've been paying the salaries of these fifty thousand police, former policemen, and teachers, and civil servants. So now they say you haven't worked for ten years. We're going to start cutting your salaries. The impact of that is going to be interesting because they are a lot of the purchasing power in in Gaza itself. But it's another one of those developments that gets almost no no attention.
0: So essentially, they've run out of money.
1: And right, if they if they,
0: if they wouldn't have run out of money, they wouldn't be doing that. Correct.
1: I that that is my assumption is that this is. Um, part of the belt tightening because of the money that is being withheld for because of the Taylor Force type laws and other things.
0: Right. All right. So uh, in review, how do the majority of countries in the Middle East now view the United States? Can one episode like this completely change the impression of what they think is going to be coming from Washington?
1: Oh, it has a big impact, but they're not certain because they don't know, they don't see yet a government uh, completely in place you know that so many jobs are open and that the infighting that continues and we saw it this week again um, that the, the, those are the, the, those factors are things that you hear discussed uh, when they come to meet it's it's primarily the president they see and sometimes the vice president but it's it's not yet uh, I think, at the level where they're getting extensive policy uh, discussions. And you didn't see, for instance, with Abbas, uh, King Abdullah or with President Sisi, as I recall, any talk, for instance, of major increases in foreign aid or other responses to, to their needs.
0: Was it, um, I mean, what type of encounter was it with King Abdullah? I know that there was it was right in the midst of the whole situation with Syria, and that distracted things a bit. When he was at the White House, but uh, was there anything significant that was uh, mentioned or brought up between him and the president?
1: Yes, uh, first of all, they're, they're dealing with uh, their internal problems, first and foremost. He, he, The king said that the Israeli-Palestinian thing is underpinning the region, but in fact, They talk about he has to talk about the million and a half Syrian refugees he has, and still the hundreds of thousands of Iraqis. The situation on his border with Hamas and uh, with with uh, Hezbollah and others, uh, Al Nusra, uh, Al Qaeda on on his borders, threatening him from both the Iraqi border and the Syrian border. Um, He has faces tremendous problems of of instability in the region. So. I think those were the primary issues, and obviously he he, he he wants more money. He does get the second largest foreign aid allocation. It's $1.7 billion. After Israel, I assume. Yes,
0: after Israel. Um, all right, a couple of messages. Um, uh, the first is, I guess, that uh, people should keep in mind that there's a major celebration that we're ready to have May the 24th, and that's the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. And I hope that people, as they sit down Monday night to the Seder, have an opportunity to discuss with their families when they say L'shanah above Yushalayim, maybe actually celebrating Jerusalem this year and now uh, and being there at the 50th. You have never um, shied away from uh, uh, what some might think overstating the importance of being in Jerusalem for celebrations like this and actually finding the time to celebrate as opposed to mourn, which we seem to be very good at. So that's number one Is the uh, is the big celebration coming up for the 50th anniversary on the 24th of
1: May. Absolutely, very important. I think there will be a lot of things for people to see and participate in. at, uh, at They're going to end at uh, the team with a very important event on that Thursday, the 25th, I think. So people should join and go to, to the RZA, to Mizrahi uh, websites, and sign up.
0: Mizrahi.org slash YY50. And lastly, Mr. Honline, Monday night is an opportunity for people to do what I ask them to do all year round, which is to discuss with their children and grandchildren not only past events, and we know, believe you me, um, how important past events are on Monday night when it comes to Leil HaSeder, obviously. That's what dominates the evening. But maybe a minute or two or more on the events of the day and sharing with future generations what is happening in this world, what's going on, what our role is, and how so many things that uh, many people unfortunately ignore have to have attention paid to them?
1: I think it's, it, you know, the part of the fulfillment of the mitzvah of, Magid of talking about things is to make it relevant to young people, especially kids, about what it means today. And so much in the Haggadah is about today's events, about how do you face up to the BDS anti-Semitism, to the other challenges that we have faced uh, throughout, the, throughout the generation. And especially the Hishamda and Seulamad, Ahmad, where it talks about what Love and Harami wanted to do to us. Yeah. And there's an interesting commentary that tells us that, uh, that, that first of all, the Ramban says that, that this is always a foretelling uh, of the events from our forefathers for what we face. They're always symbolic. They They foretell the future of the Jewish people, not just the past. And Yaakov faced three tests of Esau uh, and Lavan and Yosef. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. People have to sit and learn it themselves, but Esau wanted to murder Yaakov, and we have faced that many times when they try to kill us. Laban tried to sever the connection to Torah and Mitzvahs. We've seen that many times, the communists, et cetera, et cetera, and others followed that, that lead. But the trial of Yosef is even worse than Esav and Lavan, because Yosef was sold because of Sina, uh, the Sina, the hatred, the internal strife between brothers, between within our community, and those conflicts that tear us apart are more destructive yeah. than the worst decree that others can put upon us. So I think uh, all of us should think about at a time when we have all these tensions and we see so much the internal. Divisiveness that uh, we lost the base of Mikdash because of the uh, the baseless hatred, so much suffering, and it continues to rend our community. Uh, that we should think about that also, that we have, each of us has a responsibility to defeat that enemy of the
0: Jewish people. Great message. I do remind everybody that next week on Chol Hamoed, we will not have a weekly update, but two weeks from today, the Friday after Pesach, we are scheduled to again present the weekly update uh, starting at the 7.40 Eastern time right here at JMM. I take this opportunity to wish you, Mr. Honline a Chai Koshver Sameach, and uh, enjoy your yontif out there in California
1: in San Diego. We look forward to it, and I want to wish everybody a chag and a really meaningful sadarim. Don't rush through them. Talk about the things. It's a great chance you got your kids at the table. Talk to them about, uh, and to your parents, about all of these things.
0: No question about it. Thank you so much. Malcolm honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. joins us for the weekly update on this Erev Shabbos HaGadol at JM in the AM.